Hey, stand so thick in the time with Soulja Boy A-Rail. We got some new for y'all. Man, when somebody be in your face on your nerves, they're talking and talking and you don't want to hear it. They be like, y'all trick y'all. Hey, Soulja Boy, can I y'all trick y'all? Yo, A-Rail, I really Y'all trick y'all. Cali Park, man. Hey, man, I was just wondering, can I get up? Y'all, y'all trick. Season 3, Episode 3. I'm Phil Bakke, and as always, I'm joined from El Paso by Patrick Staley. Hello, hello. Well, uh, we've had... Yeah, we always start out with Pick Your Poison, so we're going to start there again. Uh, But this is kind of a special edition of Pick Your Poison, Pumpkin Edition, (laughs) I think we might might have to say. Um, So... You went on an expedition immediately prior to this to this pod to uh, fulfill a um, request. I don't know, like to fulfill. You have to review a beer. I would I would just call it just fulfilling the hopes and dreams of women around the Paso Norte area. <laughs> if I could sum it up, sum it up like that, I would I would say that. So just um, no change for you then from your no. from your day to day. Honestly, true. It's true because I failed miserably in my attempt. So just <laughs> just standard operating procedure right there. Right. Um, okay. So you went. You went. Basically, we addressed earlier this week, or you did in a in a Twitter poll, a a debate about pumpkin beer. Yes, the pumpkin, the pumpkin Oktoberfest, and I think we had discussed it maybe back when you were still in El Paso at some point, and it was probably around the same time. We're probably thinking maybe one or two years ago. I'm sure. And I believe you had made the comment that it's a little too soon. So that's what that was my kind of thinking around it was trying to see if I could get a reaction out of you initially, uh, but it got it got a little bit of traction. Normally, the polls that we put on there. Uh, don't really get any type of response whatsoever. <laughs> this one, this one got a few hits. This one got a few hits. Okay. So first off, we'll 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 lead in with what I call the great the great pumpkin debate. Seventy seventy two percent of responders say it's never too early for pumpkin beer. Which okay, seventy two percent of people are dumb. 
It is way too early. <laughs> it is a hundred fucking degrees out here in central Texas. I'm not drinking a damn pumpkin beer. With pumpkin beer, it's kind of like the episode of Seinfeld where Jerry says they moved to Florida to pretend that. Um, and I might say this just because I purchased one the other day. It's okay to buy it late August, but I mean, like March, April. That's that's not pumpkin season. No, that's that's, that's spring ale time. Yeah, that, I mean, but seventy-two percent saying no. There's no bad time for pumpkin beer. That's absurd. I wouldn't, if I had a choice in the matter, I would have said too soon, maybe as well. Right. Because um, once September hits, though, it's fair game. I think September 1st, yeah. that's, even though it's not technically fall until late September, I think that's that's when you can hit the ground running. But that's 18%, 18% said too soon, uh, and 10% said it's never good. Yeah, never I mean, you never, you never say never when it comes to... When it comes to a seasonal beer. Yeah. There's so, always a time for it. Exactly. Exactly. And so the pumpkin ales, the Oktoberfest, I'm ready for them, uh, especially with Klopp here now, too. And if I think Oktoberfest, I think just German, I think Klopp, I think Jürgen, who isn't, isn't as popular with LFC Twitter uh, as He's, he was maybe yeah. a few weeks or a few months ago. We'll He's get making to that. waves. We'll say that. He's doing something. He's doing something. But for the pumpkin beer, I, I promised um, our favorite local reporter, uh, Ashley, that I would go out and find Shipyard Pumpkin and try that. Now, did. I didn't go full steam ahead with the honey nor the cinnamon sugar laced rim. That was a little bit too much. I wanted to analyze it for what it was. Sure. But when I got to Specs, it was nowhere to be found. So a little upset with her for leading me on a wild goose chase. <laughs> but I, w- I would say that uh, I believe the quote was uh, <laughs> trying to build up a cult following to get on a billboard. Might have been out of place for me for the last one, so I probably owed her one. It was. But I'll, I'll keep looking for ship- Shipyard Pumpkinhead. But in its place right now, I have a Blue Moon. And then what I purchased at Specs was the six-pack of... Uh, New Belgium pump kick. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. It's one. not it's not my favorite, which is I think the alpha of all pumpkin beers, which is the pump king. Pump king I think pump king might all or no, pump king is uh I believe southern tier from oh. uh Rochester, New York. Shouts out to uh to the to the North Country. <laughs> um so you see, so you're you're drinking a blue moon right now. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not proud of it. Jesus but Christ! After I after I posted the poll, <laughs> I went to Albertsons, and as you might expect, the selection wasn't right. ripe with pumpkin pumpkin flavored beers. No. So blue moon Harvard. It's not bad. It's not. It's you know. It's it's almost like. I mean, this is going to make it sound bad, but it's like the St. Patty's Day green beer. But with an orangish, pumpkin-y, sugary flavor to it. <laughs> um, Which this is coming from a guy that that willingly purchases Michelob Ultra. So take yeah, that, you do. take that how you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, my my poison today is a. Uh, I I already posted it on Twitter, but uh, it is Carbach Brewing Company from Houston. Um, mm-hmm. 
the Rodeo Clown Double IPA. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have a reputation be, to uphold now. I was gonna, it can't be a Philbaki beer if it doesn't have at least thirty-two syllables. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's beer. what I have to. I have to. I have to get something super hipster, um, because now people expect it. Oh yeah, and I've got to post this to Twitter right now. Is I encountered not one, but two mosaic IPAs. Oh yeah, I I assume that was just a single one brewery. One brewery had no. There's the mosaic there's, IPA there's that was there, but that that is the thing. So I was shocked, but I got so excited <laughs> when I saw the mosaic, and then I saw the second one. And I was like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> it's an epidemic. It's everywhere. Um, but yeah, to go back to uh to what you were what you were talking about, uh, apologies to to Ashley for, for last, uh, last episode, because we completely misrepresented, uh, <laughs> what, what we were trying to say. Um, she's, uh, she's a, f- a friend of the, of the show and, uh, and has been nothing but great to us. Um, and, and her, her traffic reporting lately has been rock solid. Yeah. I just, I saw her. I saw a video today of her driving east on I ten past a traffic jam on on ten west, and Not that uh, one. it it took me back. It made me nostalgic. <laughs> really, really nostalgic just, for, for yeah. all things terrible about El Paso driving. <laughs> uh, but uh, all right, so we've got our poison, and now we're gonna dive into the to the real poison. Um, which is all things Liverpool um, currently, and we've got we've got Tottenham this weekend. Ah, we've got Spurs. You teams I like to beat as, as much as Tottenham because sometimes we just I mean we just put them to the sword from time to time. Oh, it's I mean it's incredibly enjoyable, especially from a team that inexplicably is in the Champions League this year. In a favorable, very favorable group as well. For oh, them. absolutely. Well, no one, no one got as bad. At, well, we'll we'll talk about that later. But so Tottenham this weekend, they're drawn in the in the Champions League, and uh, finished third in the league last year uh, after looking like they probably could have <laughs> won the the whole thing. Somehow ended third behind Arsenal. Um, and with them coming up and a Liverpool team that's that's been up and down this in this early in this early season, um, what are we what are we thinking as far as uh, lineup and and potential result uh, this weekend against Tottenham in an early, early kickoff? Oh, real early. Shout out, shout out to Barman if we can get this out before Saturday at 5.30. I'll pass that time because I'm trying to get them to open up for us. But <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We got a few, we got a few of the, the stronger supporters back, so we want to try to get something together. But Absolutely. We were, we were chatting about it a little bit beforehand, and Tottenham is, is very similar to Arsenal in the fact that we play really well against those sides that actually we like do. to come out and challenge us and play football. And that's what we kind of agreed on is that we can go toe to toe with just about anybody 
whenever we're actually, you know, engaged in some type of tactical match and not just, you know, throwing a ball against a wall over and over again. Uh, but I think with, with the brand new news popping up right now that Coutinho's got a little knock on the hamstring, that significantly changes things. Not only Chan picking up, I think Jurgen said maybe initially some type of reoccurring ankle or ligament injury. Yeah. I, I don't know the severity of it. I don't think it's been put out yet. But now Coutinho picking up a hamstring, I'm assuming it was in training, really puts a damper on the the attack kind of mindset that we, we would have going into it. And without Chan, that also really weakens us in the middle of the pitch too, which we saw kind of, not as much against Arsenal. I think we, we tended to control the match pretty well for periods, but definitely against Burnley, we, we lacked that. Maybe definitely not the ability to control because we dominate possession, but the ability to kind of dictate, dictate play and not have their formation and defense dictate the way that we play. Um, so we'll be hurting there. So I, I came up with a lineup that I, I'm actually fairly confident that we're going to see against Tottenham. Okay, so you're you're uh, confident that it's going to happen, but you also mentioned before we started recording that this is going to upset people. Yes, because one, just just uttering some of the people in this lineup it, are, are, is going to upset some people. What's well, going to upset two, me? I know it's going to upset me, but that's I mean that's every I, actually, week for I me think now. You, you might be you might be okay with this one here. Okay. Um, but everybody else won't be. So I've got. I'll, I'll kick it off. No, we go right to left. So we know Manila's going to be there. Yep. Klein, I think Maddox's going to step in. I think that's that's a sure thing on the right side. Levin will be on the left. And even though we saw Milner, I think we're going to have Alberto Moreno back there holding down the left wing flank. I left think so back. too. And I say that because, well, I'll get to that in a moment. The two, and I'm going 4 2 3 1 here. The two okay. in the middle, I think one will be Henderson. Okay. I, I think Klopp's going to give him every opportunity to work whatever's going on out of his system. But I agree. then I think he's going to pair him. I think he's got to pair him with Stewart. I think so he I think should. Stewart. I think he might pair him with Stewart. I, I could see because of, of how Klopp seemingly thinks of Henderson, I could see him paired with Genie Vinaldum. I could That's that's what I had. Either Wijnaldum or Stewart right there. If right. it's Stewart, he'll play that that more centralized, almost drifting into another center back role. Right. And Henderson would be the more forward thinking one. If not, and we saw it I think we saw it against Burnley. We also saw it um in the next match too of Henderson dropping really deep. Yeah, end of the midfield, but so those w- those three, two of them are going to feature in the. Uh, yeah, God, I'm not going to say double pivot because I don't think either of them are capable of either <laughs> defensive <laughs> attack. But we'll we'll move forward now in the front okay. attacking three, and I think we're going to have Mane on the right. I yes. toyed with the idea of maybe him being pushed to the left and Milana being in there, which could very well happen. Could, but, but Mane has been a terror on the right exactly. in every game so he's played. If he's healthy, why you would move him, it doesn't make any sense. No. So Lalan is getting sacrificed. More central, more forward will be Firmino. 
I like that. And then wide left will be, will be one boring James Milner okay. on the left side stepping in for Coutinho. Okay. I I get that. I, I don't know if it's going to happen. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see Milner involved um, as kind of the – he would also help shore up tracking back as far as Moreno um, I think so too goes so maybe maybe he is deployed on the left as as kind of help for Moreno and he can yeah we know he can put a cross in um, he's and, been struggling on that on that left side though he's he, he step has. over step over and he, he wants to go with the right. He, he never wants it, to use his how left many, foot. How many, how many assists did he get with his left? <laughs> I swear, I a swear bunch. it was the vast majority of them. But he refuses I, to why, use the left foot. And that's probably just Klopp saying you're you're an inverted wing back right now. Yeah. Know? Although Klopp says there are no defined positions, and he broke hipsters' hearts everywhere. I but then Sturridge that. up top. Yeah. Sturridge up top. But there's, I mean, there's a lot of ifs. I would, I wouldn't be surprised at all if I saw that lineup. No, I don't know if it's. I don't know if that's the best lineup, but I think we're going to see something like that. Maybe he'll shift Lalana over to the left side, or maybe he thinks Wijnaldum could play in that higher role. Right. Um, and then I would probably assume that Milner drops back in place of Moreno. Right. Uh, so I think Milner's going to feature. It's just a matter of wh- what he feels would be the best attack if Coutinho's out. I, I think we know Chan really hurts us. And then I, I wouldn't even be surprised if Origi's 100%, which I don't know if he is, if he gets the the nod over Sturridge at right. the start. Just because Sturridge is – and that, that's going to be an absolute shit show. Just be, if Sturridge starts on the bench after all this bullshit that just came up with <laughs> with him answering a question. But yeah. uh, no, I think that's I think that's the four two three one that we'll see. Okay, I so I like the four two three one because I like having a central striker. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be completely shocked uh, if he played some variation of a four three three like he like he did against Arsenal, um, mm-hmm. and throws Lalana out there in a central mid um, trio with Henderson and Stewart. Um and then mm-hmm. and then puts uh maybe pushes Vinaldum forward um on the left. Uh but who know and then he could even do the false nine Firmino uh central which he started with against Arsenal. Um and he's been you know he's been known to do um, Klopp. So I think I think there's there's a lot of unknowns about the team uh, against Tottenham, especially with yeah. the likes of Chan and and Coutinho out. Um, if they are, if they're uh, if they're a hundred percent out, then uh, it's going to make the team kind of a guessing game. Because I would say, in a in a perfect scenario, Chan is is starting uh, alongside either. Well, I would say Vinaldo in a two would be my. I think we talked about that midweek on on Twitter. Um, yeah, was the the ideal midfield pairing is is Vinaldo and Chan in a, in a two uh, with Coutinho, Firmino, and Mane in front of them. Um, 
but I with those guys out it makes it makes the team against Tottenham kind of a guessing game yeah and that's those are the ones where you really want to see Coutinho as well and that's I think that's going to be a big hole just like we saw with the initial three matches just the importance that Mane had I think he's much more of of a natural winger as Coutinho just kind of occupies that space because he's more of an attacking threat but we saw especially again in the most recent match of how, how much of a creator Mane can be on the wings. So, but I, I think we're still going to miss a lot from Coutinho's ability to drop back, receive the ball and, and then drive forward with it, but also to cut in and, and shoot, which <laughs> was, was great versus Arsenal. It not was. so much, not so much versus Burnley, <laughs> uh, but that's, that's Coutinho for you. And one right. thing that I with with talking about Coutinho and Ronaldo, one thing that's been kind of their track record has been successful in home games and not very successful away. And not that Coutinho had the home game yet, but Burnley was another example of that. So I really want to keep it. Wijnaldum really hasn't put his stamp on any game that he's been involved in. Uh, he hasn't really been in the position to, I'd say, and that might not be the best one for him, but... I, I just want to kind of keep an eye on that and see what's going on in terms of their ability to play at Anfield and their ability to play uh, away from it, which is pretty important given the fact that our schedule is nothing but away games to start the season. Right. Um, so given all that, Liverpool Tottenham, it's produced a lot of goals in recent years. What do you see the end result being um, as we take on the second of the two North London teams in the first three games of this Premier League season? I think I think we're going to be hurting without Coutinho. I think we're going to be hurting without Chan. Tottenham hasn't been that convincing, though, so we've got that going for us. But I'm still going to go... I'm going to go 2-2. Two, two. I'm going to go 2-2 two, two draw. Okay. Um, I'm going to go I'm going to go with the scoreline of the Balotelli match. 3-2. Um 3-2 to Liverpool. Who you got? Uh I'm going to say Mane um with uh I'm going to say Mane Firmino and and then Sturridge with a with a winner, um, and then I'll say Lamella and Erickson get the goals for Tottenham. Not not fucking forehead. <laughs> He's not gonna score. Lamella, there there are a few people. I think I said this previously that Lamella would fit right in at United just because I loathe that player so much. <laughs> Well, I mean, he's a fucking dick. Like, he's yeah, a, he's, he's, he's a dick. Yeah, he's absolute dick. Yeah. Uh, so my two, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna go for Milner, and I'm gonna go Sturridge for my two. Okay. So we're both back and in Sturridge to to silence to get, silence yeah. the uh, the haters a little bit. I would think that scoring two goals in like the span of ten minutes might might typically do that. But uh, 
you know, what, what do I know? Okay. I don't know. We'll from the opposition, I think I'll, I'll, I'll put Erickson on the scoreboard and probably knowing Liverpool to, to get a late equalizer. Probably be like Winyama or something like that. That you know, <laughs> the one Southampton player that we should have signed but didn't. Right. <laughs> uh, no offense to Klein, of course, who I love, but uh, I'll, I'll get Winyama bags a late equalizer for Spurs, oh, and God. we'll ruin the rest of my Saturday. Yeah, well, good thing it's nice and early, so it'll ruin your entire Saturday and not just <laughs> you know a portion of it. Not even the point where I can go back to sleep, no. and then I think I think we're going to hit the New Mexico wineries. It's just going to be. I might get angry blinds. It could be a so, long day. <laughs> so there could be there could be some Twitter rants later on. I could go after. I'm already, I'm already looking LSU. forward to that. <laughs> um, so you got three two. I got two two. Okay. For Spurs, um, I like your scoreline a lot better. But uh, I mean, I, would you if we're if we're three games in and at four points, is that successful for Liverpool given the schedule? I. I think it is, but I think it's I think it's frustrating if we're if we're at four, um, only because I would have pegged the game against Arsenal to be that draw to be the loss, yeah, or, or the loss, or the loss. Yeah. Uh, but it, so it's it, it's frustrating that that Burnley game, the easiest game of our first like eleven matches, mm-hmm. um, for that to be the game that that really exposed us uh, or, you know, made everyone lose their minds. Uh, I, I think that's a little frustrating only because if we do end up getting a result against Tottenham, then it's like, all right, we should have nine points right now. Um, you know, if we do end up getting a win, then, then it'll be frustrating because we'll have six points against the top three <laughs> teams of last year um and then you know zero points from a a game against Burnley who just (laughs) recently yesterday lost to Accrington Stanley Stanley. um in the league cup so um I think it will be frustrating either way uh but if we can come out with four points I think I think that's I think that's pretty respectable yeah it's kind of like Going into a match, you can see the late equalizer. You're like, ah. But beforehand, you had been like, yeah, happy with the draw. And that's the Arsenal match really set us up to, to hit the ground running, which I think we needed to do more than anybody. And I'm actually surprised by Tottenham got results. That, that, could, be, that could be expected, um, given that they've had some continuity. But I hoped with Mourinho at United, with Conte at Chelsea, that they might kind of experience that initial manager lull right uh and they've both been able to grind out results so the fact that we didn't take advantage of that burnley match was was really detrimental to to our point total just because that was that was our opportunity to to continue that to continue that swell and i think tottenham's definitely a winnable game for us Uh, but i mean if you would have said at the start you lose to arsenal away you know our, our record there isn't great if you beat Burnley and you draw Tottenham, we would have been like, yeah, that's that's about on par. So it wouldn't be right. crazy. Six points will be a terrific start. It will be. Four, four points will be, okay, that's that's about what we expected. Right. Got to do better, but uh, it is what it is. So we'll we'll see. So speaking of the start, we've, we've now played three matches. 
Um, two wins and a loss. Uh, not to who you'd expect, as we discussed. So um, <laughs> it's been up and down. It, you know, it started at a high with that Arsenal match, and then it immediately went back down to the uh, the lows of a you know disappointing away performance uh, at Burnley, yeah. and then straight back up with a five nil in the League Cup against Burton. Um, the one variable i guess that was that was present at arsenal uh not in the match against burnley and then present against uh burton again was one sadio mane um has he become liverpool's linchpin uh now that now that he's joined up it was either you or i that said in episode 1 or episode 2 that Mane wasn't necessarily our best player, but he could be our most influential this year, which which is kind of striking to think about that Mane coming in, whatever people thought of him at the start is, is one thing, but that player that's coming in is, for a team that's been kind of gelling and developing under Klopp, for a brand new player to kind of be like the one that you're kind of resting all your, your hopes and dreams on. So it's... But I, but I think it goes deeper than that. We can, if we get into formations, that that could be a part of it. Uh, but it just goes to show how important a good quality winger is, and as attack minded as Coutinho is on that left wing, and as well as he kind of fits in over there. I and you said it more than anybody. Coutinho really needs to be more kind of central, maybe even a little bit more more deep. And it's starting to think that maybe even more so than a defensive mid. What we really need for Klopp's system is a left winger, like somebody opposite Mane that that can just come in and, and is naturally creative in that position, not just cutting in and shooting, but can cut in and shoot, but can also drive down the byline and, and put in, you know, just the ridiculous crosses that Mane had uh, against against Burton where that's that's what you want from a winger and he's got pace to be able to do it but he also has enough quality to be able to help win cup play as well so Mane is definitely the guy so far I think last year shows but it's not much different than last year right that we showed that we could score goals in abundance nobody scored more than us this calendar year right but also that we go on dry spells as well and so to me, it's not so much Mane as it is the opposition that we're facing. Uh, we were a little bit concerned with, with Burton kind of coming out and playing that Burnley style, but they just didn't look anywhere near the, the physicality or, or the skill to keep up. And that's the thing. Once we, once we get that initial goal and we're against those lower opposition teams, we should be able to roll over. It's just the fact that the way that we're structured – and set up is that if, if we concede early, it, it's just packed so tight. And I don't think, I don't, I don't necessarily know if our setup, especially with Mane out is, is going to be conducive to getting quality attacking chances. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to say that the reason that we, that we didn't do anything against Burnley or didn't, you know, score against Burnley is because of Mane. Cause I, I, I don't think that's, necessarily true i just think that mane does bring um that different dimension and and like you said Mm -hmm. that someone on the left 
uh, to mirror that. Um, just the explosiveness and, and the creativity. Um, and it's not all about his speed, um, which is electrifying, but you have to do something on the, on the end of that. You can't just be, you know, the Aaron Lennon, to use a Tottenham uh, analogy. You can't just be fast. Because, you know, if you're fast, that's great. But, um, but Mane's got so much more to his game, and, it, and it's, it's very impressive. Um, but it does show kind of what we're lacking down the left uh, when you score a goal like he did down the right um, oh. against Arsenal, which um, I was lucky enough to be to be down at uh, at Fado in, in Austin um, with with LFC Austin and shouts out to those guys. Um, it was pandemonium when that goal went in against Arsenal. I mean, absolute pandemonium. Um, and I can imagine Barman Barman was sim- a similar uh a similar scene. Uh, oh, we were going nuts, especially yeah. with the Arsenal fans, you know, two feet, two feet from us. <laughs> um, oh yeah, that's what with the with the Gooners right there. That's that's even sweeter. <laughs> Shout out to EP Gooners. Yeah, good, good bunch of good bunch of guys, but uh, just misguided. Yeah, you know, they 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 chose poorly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, but, but Mane does, I don't know. He brings, he brings something else to the team and, and it is, um, it is kind of frustrating a little bit when you look down the lineup and you you don't really see anyone else who's going to bring that quality, uh, in, you see guys who can play on the left and can create. Um, but like you said, Coutinho doesn't really, he doesn't do a lot of creating, from that that front left uh, mm-hmm. that left attacking mid kind of position, um, he kind of only creates for himself. Um, some of his link up play is, is obviously good because he's he's a brilliant yeah he's a brilliant player. Some of his link up play is fantastic, but um, he just looks like a guy who is playing centrally in a left wing position um yeah he doesn't he's never really looking to get down that byline it, no. it's always it's either just kind of quick fast pace you know link up or it's just cutting in right and, and shooting and i think as as good as he can be in that role sometimes it's so it's really limiting uh the impact that he could have on games right so we wanted to talk about uh Speaking of formations and and all that, we wanted to talk a little bit about. Well, Sako. The defense. The defense. We've got. We've got. Kind of a thin supply of defenders right now, um, <laughs> and the and the talk is that Mamadou Sako may be headed out on loan to Stoke. Um, I, I still don't believe it. I don't. I, I don't necessarily believe it either. Um, but if if that's the plan, if Sako's been so uh, unfocused and so ill disciplined uh, as to earn himself a loan to kind of send him a message, um, what does it do? Uh, one to our options at center back, and and two to the. Um, leader type personalities on the team. Well, we've got our two 
And when we say leader, I think definitely the two of us, but most of the people that would listen or most of the people that we interact with are thinking of two people come to mind when you say leader, um, neither of which are the captain or vice captain. I think you think Sako and you think Chan yeah. are the two people that regularly they'll turn to and say, these are the people that should have captaincy, vice captaincy. Right. I can't make the argument. I think Sako can still be a leader. It, as much as I love him, I can't even make the argument for him being in any type of captaincy role with just everything that's been going on. Right. I think everything that happened with that ban and all the bullshit it just really kind of fucked him over. Um, and then that's just kind of compounded by the injury. But with, with Sako out, there's no, there's no mistake that even if you're captain or not captain, he's got those leadership qualities on the pitch, which I definitely think is something that Lovren misses. Again, we haven't seen enough of Matip to know that, but I think uh, ideally that Sako Matip playing would be the ideal because Sako is really, really that rock and not just in terms of being a great defender, but also his ability to pass out from the back. And I think that would pair really well with Matip's ability to, as we can see, he loves to kind of roam forward from time to time. Yeah. Um, and with Chan in there, Chan can drop back, he can get up a little bit, and he's the guy's fucking huge. Like two two times in that Burton game, he did like kind of goal line clearances where yeah. we haven't seen anything like that. Just the height and the athletic ability. Um, so I think that would definitely allow him to play kind of more naturally. And with both Matip and Lovren there, it's just kind of like, and especially with Minule behind them, it's almost like who's who's dictating play. Uh, and of course, we got to give him time to find that. But I think you know, Sako out is is such is such a big blow, especially the promise that we had between his his partnership at center back this year. Um, but then the defensive options too. I mean, we we're, we're literally if we loan him out, are too old, too aging, not good enough defensive mid who sometimes fills in at center back, who is injured is our backup. So we have really only three fit center backs to to step in and contribute. At minimum, you need four. Ideally, you need five. So if yeah. Gomez comes back, then it's a little bit better. But the soccer situation doesn't make any sense from from player management standpoint. It doesn't make any sense from what what strengthens the team. And it doesn't make any sense from a business standpoint, too, because loaning him isn't Unless they just feel like maybe his stock's too low right now to get anything back from him, I don't. I don't think that's true. But if loading him and he goes to Stoke and he has a solid half the season, then maybe they sell him. That that could be the only possible explanation that they're trying to drive value up. But but again, it, it doesn't change the fact that that is our best defender, yeah. and <laughs> I think Klopp might have upset some of the fan base that really loved. Uh, Skirtle, and now the the other half of the fan base <laughs> that kind of know what they're talking about are really upset over Sako. And one of the things that I, I wanted to point out was just that this, as much as we love Sako, there's no kind of illusions about who's going to be more important to the club's success. Would you rather have Sako as a center back with an iffy history of injuries, or would you have Jurgen Klopp as the manager? Uh, and some people, it, it, it doesn't seem like you can, you can have it either way. But, you know, we 
as much as it would upset me and it would, you know, put it, put it, lose a little bit of the glimmer that Klopp has so far. Uh, you know, that's the man we're, we're, we're behind him. And it's not that we can't question or wonder what the hell he's doing in this situation, but you know, if he's, he, he obviously knows more than us. Um, and he's also seeing the day-to-day stuff as well too. So, uh, complete trust in him, but what the fuck? Yeah. I, I and I think that. that's the response most people have had is, they don't want to openly come out and say, why, why would we loan Sako in any situation, especially given the fact that we haven't um, shored up other parts of the team and now we're going to weaken something that yeah. we kind of have built some depth in mm-hmm. um, as long as Sako is healthy. And, you know, if Joe Gomez ever comes back from injury um then we've got a little bit of depth at center back but if you start if you start loaning people out then now we've just weakened ourselves you know voluntarily and and kind of without need um i don't think there's an argument that can be made that we're a, a better or stronger team minus Sako uh without adding someone in his place um because regardless of the fact that we've added uh, Matip and, and Ragnar, Ragnar's not on the same level as as Sako. Um, no, yeah. He's, he's like a colo. He's he, a colo right. for us. And he, he's been solid. Uh, I, I don't mm-hmm. want to um, disparage our Baltic Viking too much, but... Um, <laughs> But he's not on the same level as Sako, and and so you think by adding, by adding, um, Matip and and Klavan, you're kind of building depth. But the second you start talking about getting rid of Sako, now you're eliminating that depth that you've built. So um, I'm hoping, hoping that it doesn't it doesn't come to fruition, um, because I think I think having those options in central defense. It, it's something that we haven't had at Liverpool for a, a while. Um, guys who think they should be starting in central defense and aren't uh, is not really something we've had. So, um, yeah, I I think that holding on to Sako doesn't do us any harm. Um, but if the talks about loaning him are serious, then maybe Klopp thinks he really is that damaging to to the team. Um, and, and I don't know where that comes from if he messes around too much or, or what the deal is. Cause I mean, the yeah. guy was the captain of PSG before he came here at, you know, and he was a kid that age, like um, 19 or 20, something like that. Yeah. So he, he clearly has leadership capabilities. It's just a matter of, of whether he's kind of lost sight of that or, or whether Klopp just doesn't trust him. Um, yeah. And but at the end of the day we do we do kind of have to uh to put our weight behind Jurgen and and just kind of trust that he's that he's doing the right thing for the team because he's uh you know he's clearly done some good things uh when you look at and I think a lot of us uh you know questioned like oh is Mane kind of the the player that we should be yeah. targeting and is 
you know, we're getting uh, Vinaldum, whatever, like everyone kind of questioned, and then you see him in action, and you, you've seen uh, the immediate impact like we talked about. I mean, the guy knows what he's doing, I think. Um, it would just be frustrating if, if we saw Sako leave because he is, uh, I've, in, you know, in our opinion, a, a fantastic defender and, and mm-hmm. also the, has the potential uh, to be, you know, like a club captain one day. Yeah, um, he's got a lot of, it, it's kind of like Lucas quality and almost like an agger as well, where he's just, he's beloved by fans. Um, and it seems like the amount of fans that don't rate him or don't like him kind of just dwindled and dwindled as he went on. Because whether, yeah. whether you're looking at stats or just watching him put his imprint on the game, there's no denying that he's been our best. He's been our best defender. Like he, it was a little bit shaky with injuries coming back. He wasn't always solid, but it, after a couple of games, he's right back up to that level again too. So it's it's odd to say we've got our what should be our first choice center back. I think Matip could pass him as our best defender this season, but. I, I think he would be our most almost like Mane. You know, he might he might not end up being the best, but I think he's going to be our most important. So, what my initial thought was was the loan was just bullshit. Was that that's kind of a man management tactic to float that out there to to say holy shit he's serious because it the only thing I can think of is that there's been a little bit too much like and and this is all just us hypothesizing it based on a couple of videos that we saw in San Francisco or whatever else. <laughs> but I mean, that's what, that what, what could be detrimental to soccer right now is what makes him so endearing to fans. And also I, I can't imagine him being a detriment in the clubhouse because he's, uh, he's got such a positive attitude the vast, vast majority of the time. Uh, there's been a couple incidents before, but that's, you know, you can, you can make sense of it almost like the search comments, you know, it's nothing, it's nothing damaging, but it, 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 it makes sense in terms of if you're a, a top player playing at the top level, you're going to be upset if you're not picked or anything like that. So maybe right. maybe that's what Klopp sees, but no matter what, it, do, it doesn't make any sense in my eyes. And I think there's definitely the vast majority of fans don't really know. I think it was, what, 88 90% of thousands of people that they pulled yeah. felt like it was a bad idea to loan Sako. Yeah. And there's some times where... LFC Twitter is a dark, cold place, but anytime you have that, that just that vast, overwhelming, dominant majority that is all in agreement, then as, as a club, maybe not as a manager, but as a club, you have to weigh your options as well. Absolutely. Um, so speaking of defenders, you brought up something interesting on Twitter <laughs> uh, recently, and, and I don't know... Um, my my initial thought was I haven't I haven't heard these words since the the Brendan era, um, but you brought up the possibility of of Liverpool playing with a back three. Yeah, and, and I uh, said I, I wanted to give you a chance to to kind of important to say back three and not back five. Okay, which which in Italy it it's very much very much a back five. Right. Not so much a back three. Um, so that's my first disclaimer. Okay. The second the second is going to be, this is not the style that I'm advocating for Liverpool 
Klopp's style. I'm not saying, hey, we got we got to ditch the pressing, we got to ditch four two three one or four three three, sure, and we have to adopt this. But it's clear since Klopp came in, and even his record at Dortmund uh, when they struggled in the final year, that it's incredibly difficult for us to break down defensively molded teams. And the reason why is that you're consistently coming up against that traditional English 4-4-2. Right. Which the 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3 definitely has its limitations um, because I think a a lot of emphasis is then on on wide, wide players initially in attack. And you definitely, it just creates these huge holes and spaces in the middle of the pitch. Um, so it, it sounds some, somewhat bizarre, but I think we could be more effective in attack if we switch to a back three. Um, and really, that's just because if you think about the way that we structure against Burnley, the the central midfielder, the holding one, whether it's Henderson or Chan or whoever else comes into that role, Right. It's almost as if they're currently playing with a back three because they dropped into that space. But that creates such a huge vacuum that it's just you have to just kind of build out either to the left or to the right in this giant almost U-shaped motion. Um, and it's it's way too easy to defend against for opposing teams. So the back five it, it comes with just a couple benefits. What you have is you still have Chan or Henderson or anybody else in that centralized role but ideally, this is assuming that Sako stays and everybody's healthy. Right. We have a Sako, Mati, and Lovren kind of back three right okay. there. Um, and either Mati or Sako, you could rotate them however best. If you feel that you want somebody a little bit more passing-minded in that central role, you go with Sako. If you want somebody to kind of roam forward, I think you go with Mati. Right. But the benefit that you now have is that with the two kind of we'll just call them wingbacks is that they have more freedom to drift in. They also have more freedom to, to go up and they're covered in the back. And that's been our biggest problem against teams against the opposition is that we have two center backs were pushed foot so far forward and then they hit us on the counter. Yep. So the back three, you have that extra kind of layer of protection, but what it also does is allow for, I, I think better spacing within the midfield you're able to load it up so that it's going to draw. The only way to defend against it is for the opposition in a 4-4-2 is to draw in from the wings, like the left or right midfielder or the left back or the right back has to pull up. And that's going to create pockets of space that the wing backs or uh, three of the midfielders, the wider ones or the attacking ones can then occupy as well. And that's been our biggest problem. I think it's not necessarily the quality of players, but it's just the ability is that everything, if you look, there's a great graphic that went out and just showed not like a heat map, but almost like, you know, just activity within different spheres. And everything was just what Milner to Coutinho on that left side. And it's just the same thing over and over again. So there's no ability to kind of build up from the middle and then have them kind of break into space out wide and have, you know, then be able to cut in or cross it over. It's just kind of that one-on-one for Milner, step over, step over, and cross in. So I think the benefits of that back three, one, we're better protected against teams that might just be looking to sit back and counter on one of our mistakes. Um, 
but because our center, our two center backs and and the back four that we currently have are so far spaced out. And then it's like the Chan or the Henderson is just kind of a no man's land there too. Think about when we struggled in 14, 15 with Gerard, because all that they had was just Gerard would drop deep and they'd have somebody covering them. Right. And that's what really puts us into, puts us into pressure and makes us make mistakes because then the only other options are to play it out wide to the other center backs. By bringing in a third center back and having like a Chan or a Henderson and centralized midfield and having those wing backs, you're able to better control possession. And that's where I think we'd get the vast majority of our quality attacking play from is, is going to be with that approach. Um, But the only other thing is that I, I think that hurts who's might be our best defender right now and, and Klein. And I don't think that if you go to a back three, I think you almost put Milner at right wing back and you leave Klein on the bench. Really, which breaks, which breaks my heart to say. Um, I think Klein's think? great. I think Klein's great going playing. <laughs> I can't imagine who's the the left back that we loathed just two three years ago. Oh, who we loathed? Yeah, we all hated. What him. Sissoko? Yes, Sissoko. So he's like a good Sissoko. Sissoko was the anti foosball table where he could not move left to right. He could only go straight line front and back. That was Sissoko. He was completely worthless <laughs> as both a defender and an attacker, which Klein is an amazing defender, and we've shown he's, he's a great... He's doing really well pushing forward already with two assists. But he struggled. He struggles when... He's, he's had a couple, couple howlers early on, but he struggles to do that more intricate play on the right side, especially if it's, you know, drifting in uh, and supporting in the middle. I don't think Guardiola would ever sign him to his team, but he's perfect. <laughs> he's perfect in the four, two, three, one, four, three, three. I honestly think he's the best right back in the league, yeah. but I probably would not play him in a back three at wing back. So you're, you're more or less looking at that goal that, Sturridge's first goal against Burton, where Milner played a one-two with uh, with Mane, um, and and more or less saying that that Klein wouldn't really find himself in a position like that, uh, cent- not central, but inside, um, and kind of playing linking up with with an attacking player and making a run into the box the only definitely not at right wing back maybe at left wing back where he might be a little bit more comfortable and and as if he drifts central or going forward to be able to cut in uh but that goes something that's been it's been so rare for us and you're not going to get that against teams that are just stationary at the back and the only way to do that is break down their position. And that's where I think you get, if you go three, three, five, two, that's where I think you're going to create space because somebody from somebody from wide has to drift in to deal with those three defenders. Because if you go four, two, three, one, it's even though it sounds like the midfield is loaded, it's, it's really just that two or really even a one, right? Because the other one's dropping back in this faux center back role so often that there's just too much space created. Um, and it's not that we we, God, we we dominated possession. It's not that we necessarily play possession football, but that's the type of buildup that you need just to 
it's it's all about vacate just being able to fill that vacated space whenever a team is just compact like that you got to be able to to get in and get into awkward positions uh and the and the goal that you just mentioned is the perfect example of that so would i do that against tottenham would i do it against arsenal no because i think that was roger's mistake is that he was like oh this three three at the back kind of worked for us in one game but it's not gonna it's not gonna work against teams with any type of decent wing play would would just absolutely destroy those kind of central lanes that they can they can kind of cut in and get behind the defense front too. But for teams like Burnley, one, it completely switches up and you have no idea. You're thinking Klopp pressing four two three one four three three. And to be able to adapt a little bit, I think it would completely catch them off guard too. So I wouldn't be uh I don't think it might be something it's tough to say that or say, Oh, Klopp's never done it before because nobody, nobody in the premier league, nobody in Bundesliga, nobody in La Liga plays with the back three. It's just basically in Italy. Um, and I think it's because the vast majority of teams now are going to four, two, three, one or four, three, three. Right. It doesn't work against that, that setup. Um, but against that four, four, two, that's really what the back three was invented for. Right. was to create some type of counter to that. Um, so, yeah, that's my, my backwards approach to playing better attacking football is to switch to a backward. So do we see in your bizarro world where Nathaniel Klein is not <laughs> playing right back, do we see the return of the league's best ever right wing back in Lazar Markovic? <laughs> uh you know, I think that's actually it's not a bad option. Because you whenever you whenever you think wing back, they're there really to support midfield and attack. Because you've got that back three that's supposed to be able to fill any type because the attackers that we're normally facing, if it's a four four two, whenever they're so deeply compacted, it's it's more like a four four one one. And so three defenders should be able to easily hold off any of that one or if that second attacker joins right. without any problem. Uh, so the wing, you want somebody that, that can operate in the middle of the pit. I, Markovich hasn't shown us anything like potent, the potential Markovich that we know and love um, who doesn't really exist yet. He <laughs> could definitely, he could definitely fill that role. The potential but, Markovich who cracked that volley off of the crossbar against Sunderland. <laughs> that Markovich would be able I mean honestly I think that's that's what you want maybe it, it depends I know Klopp's trying to play put him out there more centrally right. so if Klopp sees that him playing in the more central role I think that would definitely appeal to Markovic yeah. but really I think that would be a better option than Klein just because you're you're taking away probably 75% of what Klein does best um and asking him to focus on something that isn't his strongest, and that I think other players could do, could do better. I, that's not that's not to advocate that Markovic should step in a right back anytime soon. But, I think uh, you're, I think you're smoking crack. <laughs> I honestly do. I, I there's no situation where Klein gets dropped. Klein is our best player. Like that is that, that's actually true. He was our best player last season. He was Chan, he was Chan by might far have been, best I think Klein was our best player. Chan Chan was close, but but Klein was our best player last season. And I, I don't I think, think that I don't think we should in 
like we should start any system that doesn't include Nathaniel Klein. All right, that that's a good point. That's something I can't and probably won't argue. But but, but I I see the I see the benefits of the three five two. It makes sense. Like on paper, it makes sense. They're, it better because I spent a lot. I used a lot of post-it notes to write out <laughs> to write out. The, the but it's true. I, versus, I mean, it, uh, in theory, it makes sense, especially against teams that are, are going to be difficult to break down, and we want to get more people involved in the attack. And honestly, the three-five-two, I would think, would be a perfect uh, time to employ young Marco Gruich. Um, Ooh. against the teams that are tough to break down because the kid gets in the box yeah. from central midfield, and he also isn't afraid to shoot from distance, and he's got a hell of a shot. Um, yeah, that would be... And that's actually made... Why not... It's tough. I mean, against Barton, you, you kind of see like we overwhelm them. Like, we should be able to put our stamp on that game. But, yeah. I mean, you don't want to. You don't want to have to dictate. But you have to rec- It may all just depend. One thing that we have to look for is there a difference with Mane or some quality wing play against those oppositions? If we can break right. them down, then you know, then we've just wasted about ten minutes talking about it. But right. but if not, if it's consistently a problem, you have you have to do something. And with the personnel that we have, I think we have it. We've got the personnel in place, like you said, with Gruich or. If we keep Sacco, we've got three center backs that are capable of that. We've got three actually really talented center backs. Like as shaky as Levering can be, I think he's an amazing footballer. Same for Matsu and Sacco. So we've got the personnel for it. But I mean, yeah, it's tough to say drop our best player. But if you do go, if you did go to a back three, like if you say we've got no other choice, I just can't see as, as good as Klein is at right back. Just you, you sacrifice so much. Say, oh, put him at put him at left back and see see how he fits in over there. He didn't do well, whenever we did, or put him at right wing back, and it's it's just negating what he does well. So, yeah, I can't argue with saying creating a system that that leaves out arguably our best player. But you know, if our best player isn't being able to contribute in games where the opposition is just packed so tight, then we get then we got to do something. No, it, it's and it's early. true. It's still early. It's still early. Yeah, it is. And and when we talk about these these systems with two strikers, um, we inevitably are going to talk about who is by far our best striker, um, but but at the same time somehow unpopular and controversial. Um, and that's Danny that's <laughs> uh, close. Daniel Sturge. No, you couldn't. You could. You couldn't call Danny Ings unpopular. No, man. Man's got his own cult following. Danny Ings, if if what Liverpool Twitter said came true, Danny Ings would be a twenty-five goal a season striker. <laughs> but they just don't play him. Give him a chance. Give him a chance to be healthy. If he we'll played him and he stayed healthy, he would score thirty-seven goals. <laughs> Things escalated quickly there. He would be as it normally, at as the Ballon d'Or. He'd be on the Ballon d'Or shortlist because he just works so damn hard. Ridiculous plaid suit that Ronaldo had on. Oh, God. Don't even get me started. The fact that Suarez was not on the list is 
it makes the award completely moot. There's no reason no. to even have it. it. It's a crime. It's a crime. But you know what? That's just only going to encourage Suarez to just absolutely destroy everybody for another season. And there are a few things I love in life quite as much as seeing Suarez just run rampant oh. in the Liga. The, I mean, the he first... was born to do it. He was born to do it. He's already done it. I mean, this first the first game <laughs> against Betis or whatever he he uh, he's already got a hat trick, um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I, I I honestly think I mean you know UEFA best player whatever, but the one that people care about is is Ballon d'Or, and, Ballon and he's yeah. gonna be on he's gonna be on the stage. And if he doesn't win it, then you know. We'll know. Um, the fix that, is in. That yeah, that the the balls are uh, the balls are heated or whatever. <laughs> no, frozen. Can, frozen or frozen, right? whichever yeah. we can. Uh, but I don't think it's so, a random draw for. <laughs> so his strike partner from back in the day, old Danny oh. Sturridge. Oh. He he got himself in the news recently um, yep. because he scored two goals against Burton in yep. in twenty minutes. Um, but I had that feeling to too. Like he was gonna Sturge come on, and I, I had a legitimate feeling. I, I thought to myself, two goals. Really, that would have been better if I would have said it like in, in a podcast leading up to the game. But <laughs> well, we that sounds like bullshit. But it, I, I had that feeling. Two goals for Sturge, and it came true. Yeah. He, I mean, the guy is a goal scorer. Bottom line, he. He it's what he does, but this also could have led to his comments following the Burton game, uh, in which Daniel Sturridge, our our beloved striker, uh, said that he was unhappy about being deployed out wide by Jurgen Klopp. Did he say the word unhappy? No, no, he didn't. No, I'm putting words. I'm no, putting his. I'm the, putting words in the his mouth. first. The first tweet that I saw yeah. says like Daniel Sturridge. Furious yeah, about furious being played out of position. <laughs> it it was the ultimate. Just I feel so I feel dirty because I should have never clicked on it. And they got exactly what they were going for, and that just means it's going to keep going. Because one, he, he's answering what I, I assume was a post game interview, yeah. and it just says like you know where do you feel your best position is, and <laughs> like any any striker in the world would do. He said, oh, you know. Play, play centrally, you know, I'm not, it's yeah. not as effective when I go out wide, immediately follows it up by saying, you know, you got to do what the manager wants and you right. got to make sure that you're contributing to the team. The the actual perfect response that you could ever give from a strike, because you want your strikers to be like Suarez, to be like Sturridge, that have that, have that confidence to be able to, you know, call people out on bullshit if they right. do that. So it was completely honest, but he also said, you know what, I'm a team player. And I think Sturridge is that's, – that's what kind of upsets me about talk of Sturridge being sold or anything like that is that Sturridge might be one of the most undervalued players, definitely in the time that I think that we've, we've been Liverpool fans. And I think part of that – I'm not going to get into the whole – maybe it's a pretty – maybe it's American thing, but the – like them posting on Instagram, like, you know, they're, they're much more open with like, it, it's almost like this negative backlash towards rap culture. 
that people have and they see that as a negative thing or they're not focused. Right. Um, but Hendo and, and Lalana can be drinking daiquiris poolside and everybody thinks it's a, a Rosef affair. Right. But I, I think that definitely plays into it because I've got a lot of it as well, but that that's more of a question for sociologists than, than the brain goes. <laughs> um, but just he, he's got a true, I think passion for the club because he recognizes the players, the player that he became under Rogers and the support that he's had from fans. Right. But I also think he feels a little bit bit by him as well. And rightfully so, because the fans are absolutely awful. And if you're Terrible. active on social media, it's, it's, you know, just amplified a million fold. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think there, there's definitely some, and rightfully so maybe a little bit of bitterness, uh, within him though too but he's i mean he he even got in trouble because he said you know it's all about liverpool it's all about red you know england wasn't important and he had to backtrack on that story too (laughs) i just don't it's i mean the fans have turned so so quickly on him and i think that some of them were just latching onto that story which was a non-story it was the exact answer that you would ever want yeah your striker to give right it was it was a complete non-story but uh, but I think too, when when Sturridge does get played out wide, I think it's a little bit of a uh, of a throwback for him because when Sturridge was at Chelsea and and breaking into the first team, he always got played out wide, and everyone talked about mm-hmm. how wasteful he was and how selfish he was and how he was always trying to take shots from you know, tough angles and, and all this stuff. And so when we bought him, I, um, my immediate reaction was he's a selfish player. He doesn't really, he doesn't <laughs> and really, most people say. I mean, he played at Chelsea. I like, I immediately thought he was a piece of shit. <laughs> like we bought him. From and Chelsea. City. And um, city. So yeah. And city, like the two worst, uh, no, well not two worst. Cause there's, you know, I mean, but, they're not, they're not good. They're not good. But yeah. So, so I think, I think being played out wide is a little bit of a sore spot for Sturridge because it yeah. he begged to be played central the entire time that he was at Chelsea. Never really got the shot uh, under, uh, well, I guess it would have been Mourinho um, at the time. Uh, never really got a chance, and then you know he gets shipped off, and he finally gets a chance to play central uh, under Rodgers and immediately bangs in 20 goals. Yeah. Um, so he he shows what he can do uh, from a central position, uh, and then you know with with changes and stuff he sometimes gets deployed out wide, and so I think it is kind of a sore spot because when he was coming up he got played wide. Everyone was like, "Eh, he's okay. He's not yeah. great," and then he plays central, shows that he actually is a fantastic striker um but still gets played out wide from time to time and i and so i can understand his frustration um but at the same time he's not he's not in any way questioning klopp or calling out klopp and saying oh he won't play me central um he's he you know he said that he'd do the job for the for the team um and i think I think he's going to get plenty of opportunities to play central. He's not going to 
he's not going to be wanting by the end of the season. Yeah. Oh, I wish they had played me central more. I think he's going to get plenty of opportunities, whether in a four a four three three or a four two three one or you know whatever formation they end up uh, deploying him in. He's going to get plenty of uh, of opportunities central. I think it's just a little bit of a sore spot for him. Um, talking about playing out wide because when he was coming up, he was deployed out wide and didn't really get yeah. a chance to show what he can do. And now, now he has. Um, and so if he gets put back out wide, then it's like, all right, well, I've already shown you what I can do as a strike, <laughs> a central striker. Um, let's just put me there. You know, what do you say? And, and that's, that's actually one of, one of the better arguments too. Is that I I think that's a definite strong, strong or maybe a sore spot for Sturridge is that history that he's had with this notion of playing out wide. But if you look back to thirteen fourteen and even pairing up with Suarez, if you if you're in a front two, you're always going to be a little bit. And they, he, if anybody was more centralized, I'd say it was Suarez, and he would be the one that kind of drifts a little bit more. So he, right. he likes doing that. He likes dropping and he likes going out wide. I think it's exactly what you said, though. It's just this notion of if I'm in like a 4-3-3 three, three and I'm on the right side, I'm a wide player now. Right. And I, I think he, he is the type of player that might have might be a little bit upset by that. And we wish, you know, we wish he wouldn't be. Um, but given the history that he has, it's understandable for him. But maybe part of it is, too, is that he kind of feels that with Suarez in the team, Suarez is kind of the alpha dog, right? He, there's right. no question about who the best striker is. And maybe he's feeling like, well, why, if it's just Firmino, if it's Origi right there, why would why am I being sacrificed for for one of those players? Even though right. it's it's it could be our best situation. If you want a left-footed player as good as he is, you put him on you put him on the right. And, right. and give him that ability to drift in. Is he as effective? No, but uh, but I is it, it, it's going back to who's what's going to contribute more for the team. I yeah, and I I think it's strange because it's almost a compliment to Sturridge when you yeah. play him wide because it's a compliment to the fact that he has ability on the ball. Uh, he has good vision. Um, he can link up with other players. So it's almost a compliment to him, but at the same time as a, as a goal scorer and as a guy who sees himself as a center forward, it it ends up coming off as an, as an insult, you know, not playing him centrally. Um, whether, because we would never put Origi wide. You know, we would never put, um, you know, last year, as much as he wanted to be, we would never have, you know, put Benteke on the right of a four-three-three, um, but Sturridge is is a skilled player, and so his ability to play out there um, is is a compliment to to his actual you know technical ability. Um, but it it is tough to watch sometimes because people immediately get on Sturridge. If he's on the pitch and he's not scoring goals, people immediately jump on his back. Um, yeah. And and it's, you know, regardless of the formation, regardless of the system, um, I mean, Burnley, like, 
you know, I love the guys at LFC Austin, um, but some of the stuff that was getting said towards Sturridge, like yelled <laughs> from the peanut gallery was rough. Um, as he went, you know, 65 minutes and didn't score um, against Burnley, it was just like immediately everyone is is on his back about it. Um, and uh, and yeah, so he's when he's on the pitch, he's going to he's going to bear the burden uh, of goal scoring regardless yeah. of where he's playing. So it it gets uh, it gets difficult because if he is playing out wide, it's going to be harder to score. Uh, but at the same time, everyone's going to be expecting him to. So <laughs> I'm glad that he he came back um, and was able to to grab a couple goals against Burton. Um, and I hope he can. Yeah, that's. I hope he can kind of ride that forward. Yeah, because anytime a striker can get a couple goals in a game, that that's going to give him plenty of confidence. You know what formation would be really good for Daniel Sturridge? It would be a three-five-two. <laughs> But I'm just, but I'm just saying. Yeah. So. Um. So the most, the most LFC Twitter <laughs> moment of the week was born of this of the Sturridge nonsense. Um, I think we could get this. I'm looking for opportunities to get sponsored. I'm, I'm still. I should have talked to some a manager or something at Specs. But I think this could be, this could be a segment that we, we sink our teeth into and, and maybe get, get specs or we should get know, a, new Belgium brewery or yeah. shipyard and whoever else. No, maybe a more obscure Houston or Austin brewery to sponsor. I think that's going to be our target right there. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'll talk, uh, I'll talk this weekend to the, uh, to a, someone down in Austin and see if we can grab a sponsorship for most LFC Twitter moment of the week. Your mosaic pale ale. That would Twitter, be the uh, LFC Twitter moment of the week. <laughs> that would be the, uh, the live Oak LFC Twitter moment of the week. <laughs> um, so SMTM LFC. Hmm. AKA show me the money. <laughs> he won most LC Twitter moment of the week uh, when he tweeted, quote, anyone else thinks Sturridge should be keeping his gob closed and instead of blabbing should be concentrating on staying fit and paying LFC back. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> so what, what makes it such an LFC Twitter moment was one, the hatred towards Sturridge. Yes. There's another one I saw where it was like time for Klopp to clean house or something like that. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, let's get rid of the best striker in England and our best center back. Klopp's cleaning house. Good, good for him. So there's that piece of it. But then it's just the common sense notion that these two things are somehow at odds with each other. Him speaking to a reporter after a game is somehow keeping him from from being from being a fit <laughs> player. As a, and I think I made the comment of unless he's got like a strep throat or something like that, then that's the only scenario <laughs> when, when this is actually accurate. But what, what it, there there might be some level to search where it, it's somewhat of a mental thing, but having him focus on what his best position is has no impact whatsoever on his ability to stay fit. The final piece of it 
The final piece of it is that Sturridge somehow owes us or owes the club for paying LFC back. <laughs> for, for what? For, for what? For well, what? He's been, he's been injured, so he, he owes us for all the games he's missed. Oh, so just back pay, back pay on the wages. So what I'm right. assuming that that SMTM underscore LFC, a.k.a. show me the money, who I think had an Italian flag as a fist as his Twitter avatar. Um, I would I would enjoy seeing that, you know, God forbid somebody's injured on the job or sick, that they are going to be willing to to give up the pay that they missed for that day as yeah. well. Well, I mean, um, show me the money. Um, hey, I'm you sure. can't be happy with our net spend. <laughs> but then, <laughs> and honestly, out of all the things that exist on LLC Twitter, this was one that was from some, seemingly, despite the the Twitter handle, somewhat of a reasonable person. Right, I would say it's not just broken grammar or anything like that. Although it makes absolutely no sense. In terms of keeping keeping your gob closed, I don't think Sturridge is I don't think Sturridge has injured that yet so far. Um, but yeah, that's my that's my LFC Twitter moment of the week, just because I saw it and I was just so dumbfounded by it, and so angry about it because it really summed up this this outrage towards Sturridge, who is by by far our best player. Like I don't I don't get too into YouTube clips, especially after Benteke. But if you watch the goals that Sturridge Sturridge scores, it's maybe like five other, four other players in the world. Maybe Zlatan can strike the ball like that. Maybe Messi, maybe Ronaldo and Sturridge. Like the goals that he scores. Suarez. Oh, yeah, I forgot forgot Suarez too. So, yeah, so that, (laughs) like that, I would put him. Suarez, Messi, Ronaldo, Zlatan. Sturridge, yeah. in no particular order, can score certain goals that other people can't. Yeah, and just and I I mentioned Zlatan too because there's there's almost like this other this other level that I think Sturridge hits too, where it's just you look at the goals and they're just unbelievable strikes. Ronaldo's definitely there, but his are watered down by the fact that it's you know he takes five ten a game, right. But it's just, you look at that and it's just like a seemingly just, you know, straightforward shot that just rockets in. And that's <laughs> literally like we, we named four other players and I don't know if we can name any more that are capable of something like that. So this notion that you want to sell him because he's injured or because he doesn't keep his gob shut <laughs> sums up LFC Twitter more than anything else because you're never going to recoup what Daniel Sturridge brings to the team on any healthy day. And and the last thing I'll say about it is that it worked out miserably for Arsenal whenever they sold the oft-injured man Percy, who strung together a couple of years of health and was the best striker in the world, arguably. And then right. they sold him to United, gifting them the title. So number yep. one, fuck you, Arsenal. Uh, and number two, <laughs> fuck you, LFC Twitter. Yeah, I, and, and that's what, I mean, LFC Twitter will get We'll get what's coming to it um, in that, you know, if if we do um, decide to to sell a player like Daniel Sturridge, we'll undoubtedly 
be paid back with multiple goals against uh, <laughs> by said player and and probably multiple titles won by said yeah. player. So um, I think, yeah, I think we basically captured LFC Twitter in in one <laughs> snapshot. Um, the uh, it, it, I mean, it is it it's absurd the fact that we look we look all over the world and we and we see these other players playing elsewhere and we're like oh if only we had him if only we had him and then we have a fantastic striker at the club and we do everything within our power to alienate him (laughs) (laughs) it makes no sense it makes no sense but then again neither does lfc twitter so no it doesn't we the best music music oh this what we doing here Another one, another one. I might have to put on my jury for this one. Rave top, rave top, oh, tugging that rave top. Safe top, safe top, here we go, tugging that safe top. Major key alert. Oh, we good now, oh, we good now. Major bag alert. DJ Khaled. I got them keys, keys, keys. 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 We go to court, we gon' bleed the field. I know the judge, I'ma shoot them some chills. I got them keys, keys, keys. I got them keys, keys, keys. Nigga, so he's asking me the key. Till you own your own, you can't be free. Till you own your own, you can't be me. How we still slaves in 2016. Keep the light, keep it bad coming. Every night, another bad coming. I ain't been asleep since 96. I ain't seen the back of my list. I've been speeding through life with no safety belt. One on one with the corner with no safety help. I put fun like Josh Norman. I ain't normal, nigga. Just a project, nigga. Out in Beverly Hills, California, nigga. That great talk. That's fun, nigga. Special cough talk here. All my niggas from the mud down there. All my niggas millionaires. We gon' take it there, I swear. You gon' think a nigga psychic. You ain't seen nothing like this. I should probably copyright this. I promise they ain't gon' like this. I got the keys, keys, keys. 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 We gotta go to the club. So do you wanna jump to, uh, you wanna talk some, some Europe? I think we got to make, we had a couple, a couple of good points. Just to close it out. Put out about the Europe. So we had, we had the draw today, right? We had the draw for the groups and the opening matches we as did. well. Uh, and we, we had a couple of points that, that we liked uh, to, to kind of pick on as well. And the first one was the, the Liverpool group stage. Now don't be confused yeah, because Liverpool, Liverpool is not in Europe at no. all unless they want to take Unless they want to take a holiday, um, <laughs> but but explain to our listeners what we mean by our Liverpool group stage. Yeah, so we've got we've got Group A, um, which starts out you know easily enough with with Paris Saint Germain and and Arsenal, um, but beyond that, basically what we've got in Group A is Liverpool's group in the Champions League in fourteen fifteen. Uh, was was Real Madrid, Liverpool, Basel from Switzerland, and Ludogorets, Razgrad of Bulgaria. Um, and in Group A of this year's Champions League, we've got Paris Saint-Germain, Arsenal, Basel, and Ludogorets. So we've got a world-class team in, in PSG. We've got the second-placed English team, in Arsenal, which Liverpool filled that spot in in uh, the 14-15 Champions League, uh, and then Basel, the the Swiss champions, 
and Ludogorets, the Bulgarian champions, who both came through in the playoffs, um, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, uh, of the Champions League. So we have almost a carbon copy <laughs> of uh, <laughs> of Liverpool's group uh, from the Champions League two years ago. Um, so in case you were wondering, yes, UEFA does fix this draw. Um, it's the same every year and the second place no. English team will play Basel and the Bulgarian champions so, um, and another top club and I mean it, it works out perfectly for Arsenal because standard operating procedure for them is to place second in the group stage and then get trounced by uh, Bayern Munich Barcelona or Bayern you know, yeah. whenever that comes up those are their two so, options so yeah I mean it's just business as usual for Arsenal you know yeah. whether it's First, second, well, not first, but second, third, or fourth. Uh, you know, they can always look forward to that round of 16. So, Brendan Rodgers obviously led uh, Liverpool into that into that Champions League uh, group stage in which they somehow managed to uh, <laughs> to bow to, out. To not, to not advance. <laughs> um, so, I think it was the back three that did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was uh, Lucas starting against Real Madrid. Uh, yeah. But no, so we've got, speaking of Brendan Rodgers, we've got Group C. So we've got Barcelona, uh, obviously featuring former Red Luis Suarez. Uh, Manchester City featuring former Red Raheem Sterling. Um, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, no former Liverpool players on, on Mönchengladbach. And... Poor, poor Celtic, led by Brendan <laughs> Rodgers, which did such a good job to make it to the group stage in the first place, and then get and Barcelona and Man City in their group. Oh, you think how you many points? Catch a break. How many points is Rodgers? Because I think we we mentioned it. Was it first episode or or maybe it was on Twitter? But the goal for Rodgers with Celtic is to have some type of European success. Obviously not not to win, but to go on some kind of run because Celtics should be winning the, the Scottish Premier League every yeah. single year. They, yeah, and I... Uh, if I Rangers mean, come up and challenge, then whatever. But that 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 I, is a non-starter. I don't, I, I don't think Celtics going to have any problem winning the, winning the Scottish Premier League. They, the signings they've made have put them in a different class. Uh, yeah. Than than the other Scottish teams, it's just it's not even fair at this point. Um, shout out to uh, to the guys over at O'Leary's Pod. Uh, this podcast sucks. Oh, slash, yeah. <laughs> uh, now boys in green, uh, which is an offshoot of that, just strictly about Celtic. Um, but listening to those guys, they've they talk about the Scottish Premier League uh, quite a bit. I don't know why, but they do, um, and and Celtic's gonna walk that league again, so no no issues there. Brendan will will take care of business in the league, and he'll get he'll get his title. Um, but I think he's lucky if he gets two points out of this group. Oh yeah, uh, I don't know where he's getting those two from. <laughs> Gladbach has they, been scary uh, in yeah. the in the playoffs of <laughs> the Champions League. Up. Just Six. smashing everybody. Six in the last game? <laughs> Just ridiculous. Like you, 
God. And I mean, I feel bad. You know, I love. They're probably going to finish third in this group. <laughs> and and yeah. they have just been tearing teams apart. Yeah, so it, they're going to be dead last. Yeah. They might have the worst goal differential of any team. Yeah. Um, yeah, looking at I can't maybe. Yeah, I mean, there's there's not really that. In that group C, if you would have to say, like, the group of death or whatever. Yeah. Group C, group C is pretty pretty packed. One you'd think Celtic just because of the name, uh, but then Montreal because just of the way that they've been playing lately. Right. Uh, group D, you've got some you've got some quality there, but I mean, group so Group D talking about it, we've got Bayern, Atleti, PSV, and and Russian the Russian oh, Leicester oh, uh, Rostov. <laughs> um, but so in Bayern and Atleti, you've got the two the two teams who are going to advance. Yeah, like PSV Dutch Dutch football's kind of been suffering in the last couple of years. I don't see them advancing. Um, Rostov, no. although they did really well to advance, they kicked the shit out of Ajax um, to make it to the group stages. Like absolutely demolished them. I think it was six two on aggregate. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Um, they just. They don't stand a chance. I mean, against Bayern and Atletico Madrid, it's not happening. No, yeah. It's not happening. You're not breaking down Atletico, and, no. you know, Bayern's just going to crush all But of I could see Rostov making it into the Europa League and, and finishing third above PSV. I could see that happening, which would be, which yeah, would be, a, uh, which would be an achievement for them, certainly out of that group. So but Yeah, I think there, I mean, Group C, Group D, You've got two standouts, Group F with Madrid and Dortmund. Yeah, yeah. The, maybe, that's again, then, it's a it's a race for a race for third between Sporting, uh, yeah. Lisbon, and and Legia Warsaw. But with Group A, you could you could see the Liverpool group play out very Liverpool esque because Basel does historically well against English stage. clubs. So yeah. all you have to do is perform against, you know, you could get trounced by one of the teams, but if you can perform against the other two, yeah, then, uh, I mean, it's then certainly you're in good possible. shape. Yeah, so we'll, we'll basil with the cheeky upset maybe over Arsenal and Group A to, uh, to give us some type of redemption for our Champions League crash out. Right. And I, so we look at Group E, and, and everybody, I think, looked at Tottenham and said, wow, they've, they've really dodged a bullet here. Um you know they've avoided the the big teams despite being in in pot three, um, mm-hmm. but I think between between the other three teams in there, I think Tottenham fans because Tottenham fans see themselves, uh, you know, qualifying out of this group. Um, but well, I think Napoleon, they've somehow Napoleon drawn. I think they've somehow drawn a very difficult mix of of teams. Um, yeah, because there's no weak team in their group. Uh, Cisco exactly. Moscow is is ridiculously strong. Um, they've won the Russian league like ten years in a row, um, mm-hmm. and that's not an easy feat with Zenit, St. Petersburg sending t- spending tons of money and um, what was that? Anji Makashkala spent all that money years ago. Cisco still. Still walk that league. So between them, Bayer Leverkusen and Monaco, Some good those are three teams who could who could qualify um, out of that group. No one, no one is. Oh, okay. Like 
they're definitely not going to get any points. Um, yeah. So I think Tottenham I think look at that group and see that, oh, we could qualify out of this group, but they easily couldn't also. Yeah. It's not the worst group to be in, but you're definitely like, like it's easy with the, with the top teams and lower teams, you know, you probably get an idea of where the points are coming from, but group B and then group B with Benfica, Napoli, uh, Dinamo Kiev and Mestikas, I for there, it's just kind of like you, you don't know. You don't know how each match is going to go because they're relatively equal. Now Tottenham thinks right. that you know they they'd be able to get out of the group stage if they were with Barcelona and and Bayern in there. But right. I, I don't know. You, you know, any any four of those teams uh, could claim the top two spots there too. Same, I think, for Group B. So yeah, and then it, we see it, there's some parity there. I think that could make it interesting. And then, uh, and then we move down to the the English Rostov, um, aka Leicester City, <laughs> in uh, in Group G. So we've got Leicester, Porto, Club Bruges, and and Copenhagen, uh, Copenhagen. Um, so Leicester, obviously, with a very favorable draw, um, because Porto probably one of the weaker teams in Pot Two. Yeah. Um, Bruges definitely one of the weaker teams, and then and then Copenhagen um, certainly not the weakest of the pot four teams. Um, I think that would probably go to either Ludogorets or Legia Warsaw, but yeah. uh, but Copenhagen not you know not the strongest team. So I think Leicester have lucked out a little bit, but I don't know about you, but I kind of get the feeling about Leicester that they're not really going to challenge in any of the competitions that they're in this year. No, and I, and again too, they it could come back to haunt us. Um, I think the way that Leicester plays though will lend itself well to Champions League football. Um, there's not really a dominant style that they play that other teams can kind of sit back against. I think the biggest question mark for Leicester this year, somehow by the grace of God, they kept both Mares um, and Chatshit get banged. <laughs> but and you know those those are the players that won them the league. But you know I keep thinking that maybe Conte was the one uh, that unsung hero, that holding midfielder that really gels it all together. So this I'm interested to see exactly. I'm interested to see one. I think it's going to do horrific damage for them in the Premier League over the course of the season. Uh, but I'm in, uh, I want to see how it plays out in in Europe as well because I think they have a style that lends itself well, but. Is was that really the key position, um, and did they really fill it after he left? Right, and I think the I think the real eye opener, I guess, is going to be when Leicester plays one of the teams that you would say is lesser um, or yeah. lesser opposition. You know, if Leicester go out against Bruges and and have a tough time, um, then I think we kind of know. Um, all right, well. Leicester had their fun, won the league. They'll get their European vacation, but they're not gonna. Writings um, on the wall. They're not gonna challenge anyone in Europe. Um, but if they can go and out and, and and play comfortably against a team, you know, from I get, you know, if they can go into Europe and play a comfortable uh, Champions League group stage game, uh, then you can kind of, all right, maybe. Maybe Rainier is actually, maybe he is going to navigate this a little bit better than <laughs> yeah. we're all thinking. I mean, I, I think they, I think they lucked out a lot too because it could be 
if they crashed out in the Champions League, I think then you might see an exodus of Vardy and Mares, um, maybe in January. But uh, the fact that they've got that one, they should for there's no reason for them to, to dip out uh, unless we see a significant drop in form. But I, I, I think they'll make it out of there. Yeah, I I think it's a matter of, well, it, it really hinges on Leicester, that whole group, um, because you can imagine a, I, you can imagine a scenario where, where Bruges or Copenhagen gets a, a good result, like, away um, at either one of, you know, be, of the games between them. Um, so you yeah. can see where they get three points uh, yeah, away. It's just a matter of Leicester kind of taking care of business uh, at a European fixture away and not being too, like, awed by the occasion. Um They've certainly been handed an opportunity to make it to the round of 16. It's just a matter of whether they take it or not. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and then in the uh, in the final group, it's it, – I, again, I think well, I think it's kind of strange, but we've got Juventus, Sevilla, Lyon, and Dinamo Zagreb. So you've got the team who's probably definitely going to finish fourth. You've got Dinamo Zagreb. Um You've got the team who wants to finish third, and that's Sevilla, so they can go back to the Europa <laughs> League and win it for, like, an 11th year in a row. Um, <laughs> then you've got Lyon and Juventus, who will probably win it with... Um, who, who will probably move move through the group. Um, but Lyon holding on against all odds to a longtime target of mine... Not necessarily <laughs> Liverpool's, but a long-time target of mine in uh, in Alexander Lacazette. Yeah, big season, big season for him too. One, if he if he keeps it going, I think then he's definitely sold. Yeah, but especially in in league, like the French league, if you've got somebody that's going to score goals, you're going to do well. So a lot yeah. hinges on them, not just in Europe, uh, but in their league play as well. Yeah, for for him to continue his form. Um, well, he started he started the season with a hat trick, so um, definitely off off with, off to a good start in uh, in French much league the, play. Much to the dismay of Arsenal fans everywhere. Yeah, I I mean the link makes sense with Wenger, but the uh, I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't know if EP Gooners have talked about this at all with you guys, but uh, but their their cries for a striker, um, <laughs> I, I I don't see them getting getting answered uh, anytime soon. I don't no. know if that. They just signed. Uh, who they signed today? They got uh, Mustafi was the big one that we yeah. saw, but then they also signed a striker as well. I deal with you know with Arsenal though. It's never the big one. Um, but would you rather spend a hundred million on the three players that they're buying, or would you rather spend a hundred million on Griezmann? What's what's the better fit for Arsenal there? Oh, for Arsenal? Yeah. Ooh. Um, no, they have they they had to buy a center back. I think. I don't think they had yeah. a choice. Um, oh yeah, they have. I mean, what they rolled out against us was the poopy platter. Yeah, that was. I mean, it was garbage. The fact that a guy they signed from Bolton was in the team, (laughs) 
like at the open us. of the Premier League season was was rough. So, yeah, I, I, yeah they had to sign a center back, and the fact I mean, I'm upset because I Mustafi is, you know, b- him being German, I obviously, um, <laughs> I obviously want any German player to be to be in the uh, in the Liverpool team, and I think he kind of he would kind of fit the um, fit the bill as far as Liverpool's concerned, but not like, like we were never going to sign him uh, given the fact that we already have, uh, you know, Matip, Lovren, Klavan, Sako, um, yeah. et cetera. We were never going to go in for another center back. Um, and any rumors to the, to that effect, I think were, were his agent floating stuff to try to drive his price up, um, or Which get Arsenal it's to pretty, to be pretty petty for him. Pretty petty for him. Yeah, but that's. I mean, that's a, another thing. Just one final thing about Sako. The going rate for center backs in this window has been absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. So if you get rid of Sako, you're spending at least thirty million pounds, I'd say, to replace him. So it makes no sense. No sense. We're not right. deep enough. To do that, Mustafi, I think, kind of characterizes that really good center back. There have been a lot of good center backs that are moving, but they're moving for 20, 30, 40 million pounds, and it's just yeah. ridiculous. And, that, and, and that's what, I mean, the whole market's been crazy, um, which maybe, maybe, that's the, uh, maybe that's the hesitation on Klopp's part right now is just the market is nuts. Yeah. Um, maybe he's waiting for things to calm down, uh, or maybe he's got something up his sleeve, and maybe. Maybe he's going to surprise us all with, with a deadline day deal. Um, very true, very true. But so, as long as it's not some Chinese consortium coming in, and <laughs> whatever whatever bullshit that is to whatever oh, quote unquote say yeah. today, that's a complete no. Yeah. If you were if you weren't blocked by uh, by Manhattan Doc, then you would know that that was <laughs> that that was a load a, a load of, of bollocks, as they say. Bullocks. They should have shut their gob. <laughs> oh, man. Well, so um, so all in all, we've got Tottenham this weekend. We've got our predictions, and you're thinking draw. I'm thinking I'm thinking a tight win. Um, still going to concede goals because, I mean, Karius isn't back yet, so obviously we're going to concede goals. Um but we both got us down to concede too, so we've got that that common factor there. Yeah, and uh, so Barman obviously that's the plan for this weekend for the El Paso Reds. Um, but you came up with a unique solution oh. to the early match uh, problem um, earlier today, and I. I just due to the to the sheer imaginativeness of this uh, of this idea, I'd like you to I'd like you to share that. I think you meant genius in there too. <laughs> but the biggest problem for us over the past two years has been the early matches and find somebody that will open up for us. So I was thinking if bars close at two a.m. in Texas, and the one that the only one that opens up early is one at seven a.m then there's got to be another way. And so I thought, who who in their right mind would stay open that late? And then it dawned on me that the only possible explanation would be 
to have a mass viewing party at a strip club. <laughs> so I, in my frequent travels to New Mexico, I consistently drive by the Zebra Gentleman's Lounge. Um, one, I'm a little bit confused. It's like, it's Zebra's plural. There's a apostrophe on gentlemen, so it's their lounge, but there's <laughs> plural Zebra's gentlemen. Anyway, grammatically, not, not the solid, but I looked, I Googled it. And like I said, against my better judgment, yeah. I, I, that's now in my search history, Zebra's Gentleman Lounge. Um, <laughs> and I open until 4 a.m., reopen at 7. So some of the girls are taking power naps or something out there. <laughs> but with that small of a window, I mean, why not say, you know, just shorten that shorten that power nap by an hour and a half and open back up at 5.30 and, and we'll be there to, to sample the buffet. It's, it's BYOB. <laughs> and again, I have not, and it's got four stars on Google. Four stars? Four stars out of five. Wow. Uh, five reviews. That's so, impressive. Yeah, so I mean, something—they're doing something right. And I, I never heard of zebras while I was in El Paso. It's—it um, looks like it's just like a temporary shelter that if it gets hit by a big enough tumbleweed, it will probably knock over. <laughs> um, but my questions were: Do they have TVs? Right. Will they play the audio? And maybe if we're really stretching our luck, will the girls dance to the NBC Sports commentary too? So that could be. If Barman falls through, then I might be knocking on Zebra Lounge around. <laughs> Will might be str- struggling in around three thirty and, and and seeing if they'll they'll stay up uh, for for a couple of UTEP students and and an aging Liverpool fan. Will the girls dance to Graham Lasso? <laughs> that is That's, the question. Uh, that is hypnotic, right there. <laughs> Uh, that is that is by far the be- the the most imaginative solution to early uh, kickoff, early European <laughs> kickoffs I've I've ever heard. Strickland. Uh, but that is, I mean, for the amount of you know, obviously, like um, soldiers enjoy the odd uh, visit to to a strip club or two. But Zebras was not one of the ones that uh, that came up on the blotter. Um, yeah, she's she's out there. Old yeah, girl's out there a little bit, too. But I looked at the other one, maybe a possible one, Sunrise Tequila, closer to I-10. Um, okay. Only had, like, hours. They closed at, like, 3. They didn't open until 11. So that's not doing us any favors. Oh, no. Yeah, so, you got to go for the real sketchy ones. Yeah. You got to go to ones that have just really nothing to lose. And the type of human being that would stay up for 24 hours straight, that's what we, that's the type of commitment that we need here in El Paso. If we ever want to get that OLSC status, we're going to have to partner with the strip club. I think that's our yes. only way. All right. So <laughs> our, our, our sponsorship by Specs may be a little far-fetched, but you may <laughs> eventually be listening to the... <laughs> To the <laughs> two records brought to you by zebras. Um, <laughs> mention mention our name and you get ten percent off your first dance. That's a good deal. That's a pretty good deal. Don't actually do that for any of our listeners that might be thinking about that because I don't want to have anybody from zebras come find me uh, <laughs> asking me for ten percent or ten dollars off of all these dances that they had to give. Oh man. Um, well, with that, <laughs> with that parting shot, 
Gatsby is sounding sounding the the end of the uh, the end of he's this two right He's like, he wanted that timekeeper, so he's he's doing his job. Yeah, he is. Um, so, with uh, with uh, with full hearts. Or, wait, what's that from Friday Night Lights? Damn it, I don't remember. So now you're doing friends gifts, and you're doing Friday Night Lights. It's it's my it's my wife. I haven't actually watched Friday Night Lights, <laughs> but my wife watches it. Um, so yeah, whatever. So it back from it. Totally <laughs> lost momentum. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, we look forward to the uh, to the Tottenham match, despite the fact that it's god awful early in the morning, especially for you out there in uh, in Mountain Time. Shout out to San Francisco Club. Great yeah, group. No kidding. Got to enjoy the spoils of the tournament and four thirty for them. So God help them. <sighs> yeah, that. So my uh, my friend. Uh, who's a Tottenham fan is is out in San Francisco, so he's he's uh, he's battling similar time constraints. But luckily, I probably won't hear any heckling from him if we uh, <laughs> if we go down early in the match. So um, so we'll be we'll be up early watching the match and uh, and uh, hoping for a good result. Um, this Tottenham fixture could be uh, could go either way. Um, but, uh, but hopefully, hopefully, uh, anyone out there listening will be, will be watching too. Um, if you like what you heard, um, here, uh, be sure to check us out, uh, on Twitter at two red gringos, as well as, uh, on Facebook. Uh, we've got two red gringos also check out, uh, uh, at El Paso Reds. Uh, for quality banter, and if you're in the El Paso area, uh, certainly join up with them at uh, at Barman uh, for for match days. Um, at least match days that start um, <laughs> after about seven. Um, and uh, for Patrick Staley, this is Phil Baki. This has been the Two Red Gringos podcast. Uh, Hope you enjoyed. Season three, episode three. Adios, guys. <laughs> Adios. Couple shots at the end, though. She running around in my mansion. Watch out for these gold diggers. That's what my mama told me. Team is closer than friends. I learned that from my OG. These traps can't pull me down. Cause I'm always gonna eat. Got lobster on my plate. Lobsters in my rollie. She digging my Giuseppe. She love my pally. My bell, my head is slowing. Attracting groupie, these thoughts can't pull me down. No fans got me pounds with those OG what I'm smoking. Yeah, I'm a smoker. She say, Why do you do drugs? I hate been sober. I heard your man up, bro, nigga, baby. You need a dope nigga. The mob turning up. I'll rent me burning up. If one's blue, honey's up. My jewelry glowing up. I got steak up on my plate. Lost on some dates. My house look like the taste. I eat with my AK. These boys trying to take me down. Cause I'm a king of town. My pants sagging now. Cause Rex, I'll plan them now yeah. She say her man a goofy And now she wanna do me I'm all about them commas And you know what I'm talking about She love the way I'm dancing She checking out my fashion Couple shots at the end though She running around in my mansion Watch out for these gold diggers That's what my mama told me Things be closer than friends I learned that from my OG These girls can't pull me down Cause I'm always gonna eat Got lobster on my plate Got oysters in my rollie She 
asking why you popping flats. I told her thought just give me neck. My diamond studies switching up. It's like they're from a different set. Molly so amazing. Purple in my double cup. I'm switching lanes crazy. Police study chasing us. Rocking in my Gucci, Louis Fendi, and my Prada too. Catch us in a Bimo, wildin' out like monkeys in the zoo. Got a couple foreign horses out in my garages too. Niggas smoking Reggie, thought they stopped that shit in '92. Um, catch me rolling off a flat. I just might pop a dude. I'm pulling up and peeling off. I had to stun on you. Take your wife and your spoiler just to stun on you. And yeah, you know I recorded just to show the proof. She say her man a goofy, and now she wanna do me. I'm all about them commas, and you know what I'm talking about. She love the way I'm dancing, she checking out my fashion. Couple shots of the handle, she running around in my mansion. Watch out for these gold diggers, that's what my mama told me. Things be closer than friends, I learned that from my OG. These traps can't pull me down, cause I'm always gonna eat. Got lobster on my plate, got oysters in my rollie. 